do that one more time just because I liked it. We good. That's cool. Yo, hey guys. Um, so I've got Ollie with me today. A really good buddy of mine from a long, long time ago. And um, Ollie, I actually bumped into um, Ollie the other day while I was walking um, past a shop um, called Going Ohm, which, um, so that that's closed at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, that's where we bumped into each other. And I always love having a good chat with you. Mm-hmm. So it's been a real joy to be able to bring you in here. Um, but something I was holding back just now, you know, when you first came in and you were talking to me about the pink lady, Mm -hmm. I actually did my homework. So just, I I actually watched um, your YouTube channel of pink lady from the start and uh, pink lady law. I've watched everything from the start to the end. Um, So very cool stuff, man. Um, But let's, let's take it from something super random. And (laughs) something I just knew about is that you just put your car to repair. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, Yeah. I just put my car to repair. Um, The gearbox is, uh, it's uh, screwed, so okay. I need to get it overhauled. Okay, is yeah. it? It's a. Is it a manual? It's a uh, automatic. Okay. Yeah. Ah, you come across like a manual kind of guy to me. I I am actually um, like fiddling car, with um gear gear six. Yeah, I, I I do like I do like gear changes and stuff. I like to I like to meddle around with uh, the the sticks. You yes. Know? Um, but uh, <laughs> the, the <laughs> yeah, but but no, no, this this car is I've I've, I've wanted it for like ten over years now. Um, okay. But it's a two seater. It's a selfish car, mm-hmm. and uh, my dad was around, so I couldn't have it. Now my dad is not around anymore, so I got it to drive my, my mom and myself around. Okay. Yeah. And other people, of course, not just mom and you. Sometimes. That's right. Um, so I think one of the reasons why you say that you're not, the car isn't a necessity anymore mm-hmm. is because I guess you won't, you, as you said, you won't be traveling as much mm-hmm. um, anymore because um, your shop, which I thought was really cool, um, favorite item on the menu was mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, not fried mushrooms. Yeah, not, not, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, like legit normal fried mushrooms. So they're really, really good. Okay. Um, so Ollie used to have this um, shop called Going Ohm. So can you share a little bit about Going Ohm and how the whole thing started? And maybe you can even share the whole thing about this shisha journey. Yeah. Um, so Going Ohm started 14 years ago when I came back from Nepal. Um, and the, the reason why I went to Nepal was because mm-hmm. Um, I was going through depression. I came back to Singapore and uh, from a motorbike accident in England and having performing there, came back and it was very different here. Um, I felt, I, I spoke funny, when, well, I wouldn't say funny, I spoke with a very strong English accent hey, when right I came this, back. Oliver. Yeah, I was very much like this the whole <laughs> oh, time. And we can people, do this yeah. for the whole interview, actually. In yeah. it. Like, people <laughs> were just saying, like, why are you having a slang? And I'm like, it's not a slang, it's an accent, isn't it? So yeah. anyway, um, so I, I felt very left out and very different and ostracized. Hmm. Um, and then I went into depression. I was sitting on a sofa and I couldn't breathe. Um, so oh. I just, this is the second time it happened to me. The first time it happened when I was in London, um, right after the accident. So anyway, I, I ran to the, the laptop and I looked at the um, laptop and I just opened up the map and said, I'm coming here. And that was Oh, ne- serious? Yeah. One of those like random points. Yep. Yeah. And that was Nepal. I had no idea what Nepal was, where it was, um, but I went there anyway. Wow. Um, and I was there during the revolution. Uh, so I saw people being killed in front of me. I saw how restricted their lives were. But I, what I really admired about the people was they were always smiling. They, if, oh. no, even in those times, like it was really difficult times. They were smiling. And even the armies, when they came up to me, like 20 of them with their weapons, you know, it was curfew. I didn't know I was out for a walk. And they thought I was Nepali. They stopped me. 
and then um, and then they checked my passport. They realized I was a foreigner. They said, okay, you have to go back to your room. I said, okay, thank you. And I said namaste, and they just dropped their weapon and they namaste to me. And I'm like, oh my God, these people oh, wow. are so beautiful. They're so sincere and real. So then, then later on, when I went in the mountains, I saw how difficult life was, you know, like... Mm. Um, so I, I just I just started like giving away all my stuff. I came back with a backpack that was one quarter the size of what I went with. Mm-hmm. Um, I did a Marie Kondo before Marie Kondo even existed. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, and I, I threw away and and I was just riding on my bike and realized how lucky I was when I came back to Singapore. Wow. Um, having a roof and everything, and then I rode into Haji Lane. And I saw these shops for rental. It was a back street, no street lights, peach black in the night. And I loved it. And I'm like, I really want to bring a bit of Nepal back here. So then I open up going on with that um, idea of having it being a sanctuary for people who really want to be here. I don't care who you are, what you are. You know, if you want to find peace and some quiet time, they could do that. Mm, Yeah. mm, mm. yeah. Yeah. No, no, please. No, 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 and then and then it evolved. You know, everyone was selling shisha, so yeah. So we started selling shisha as well. Um, oh. But we were one of the first to sell shisha with alcohol. Okay. So we got quite popular, um, and yeah, and then it was banned, um, and then we went into uh, supporting local artists. Mm-hmm, you know, one mm-hmm. of my friends, uh, she she's a singer, or she was learned learning ukulele, and she's like, Ollie, yeah. can I sing here? I'm like, sure. So she oh. sang there with no microphone, nothing, just sat on the bench, and people loved it. And then slowly it got more and more popular. And Can then I ask who it was? Just curious. Tien, I don't know if you know Tien. Tien. Daphne I, Tien. Oh, might do. Might yeah, do. Wait, she Daphne. was in the ukulele. No, yeah. no, no, I think uh, my wife's friends are there. She then went on to the US. Did she? No. Okay, I'm thinking of somebody else. No, definitely. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's now in, uh, in in Amsterdam. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. I must have got it wrong. So, anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so, so yeah. So, then a lot of local artists came came up to me. It was like a, I remember there's like a musical theater night kind of thing. Was it? Yeah, we, was did, it? we did a couple of shows, like uh, musical theater nights. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard. You know how it is. It's hard getting musical theater people together. Why? Everyone's busy doing shows. Oh, I see. So, uh, that was hard to, to carry on. But then I have a lot of like local magicians uh, mm. singers um, um, yeah all sorts of local talents or fire spinners they just come up mm-hmm. and they just started doing stuff on the street so it was it mm-hmm. was very uh, oh they perform outside I thought they performed on the second floor no they perform outside like oh. second floor uh, was for so called private events okay so okay. Um, Charlie Lim did one there okay uh, Joe Dong joined in yeah. Um, so it's like a t- like a ticketed event. Yeah. Okay. Ticketed okay. event. So right. so those were fun. So I, I like the whole idea of this. Um, I I don't know if when you say perform, you mean like perform on the streets outside, is it? Well, performing on the streets outside, like um, recent years, they got the um, licensing from NAC. Right. Yeah. Before that, that there was it was very grey. Nobody knew what that was that allowed or not. Uh. So people were just playing and strumming on the street. And then later on, when uh, the busker's license mm-hmm. started being available at uh, NAC. So to people, apply for it. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So they have audition and apply for it. Okay. Well, that's nice. Um, I actually did that for many years before I even, you know, yeah, I was just, like breakdancing and for loose change on the street and like playing saxophone back in the day. What this in was, Singapore? No, in New Zealand. I was like a. 
<clears throat> I started. I, I got out with my jazz band from high school, so I was only like fourteen at the time. So mm-hmm. we used to go outside this artsy place called the. It was like the Christchurch Art Gallery or something mm-hmm. like that. So you have all these like artsy older people that want to support the arts. Yeah, I just play yeah. like jazz tunes, and then people like drop us money. Yeah. And then on the days that you know I couldn't get my my jazz band together, I just call up my breakdancing friends and say, "You want to put down a mat and play some music and just dance?" Okay. Yeah, and then, yeah. I mean, people people would just. I mean. I guess it's a it's a very giving society in New Zealand, you know, mm-hmm. and it's very like you know people show appreciation, they're happy to give. Um, in fact, the International Buskers Festival has been held in New Zealand for many many years. I don't know if it's still there, but it's always been in Christchurch. So they fly in all these like huge buskers, famous buskers from yeah. all over the world. So um, it's a really nice melting pot. Um, hey, I was going to ask you. When you said Haji Lane at that time, was that before Haji Lane was the Haji Lane of today? Yeah, there was. Uh, was it like was, a? Different? There was before he got. Well, it was. It only got really popular like in two thousand ten or eleven huh. around there. Okay. So we were there two thousand end of two thousand seven two thousand eight. Okay. Uh, it was really quiet. It was. It was a very kampong village uh, mm. uh, ambience. It was mm. really nice. We there weren't many many customers. So like. The shop tenants would just walk to each other's shop, like just to chit chat, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, and have a drink or something, yeah. And then and and rent was very affordable then. Back then, so okay. yeah, so it wasn't stressful that you have to do business. People were just just there because they love being there, the vibe mm. and all. And then and then it got popular. I mean, pro and cons, right? Yeah, I was gonna say that it's a tricky thing because yes. as a business owner, you you want to have that kampong feel. You want to like just you know share, keep it easy, you know. But but then for your business to thrive, you kind of need the crowd as well, you know. Well, I mean that that's depending on what business you're doing. You see, so mm-hmm. like I mean, like the mainstream businesses, mm-hmm. like if you're doing cocktail bars or mainstream food, fast food, like. Yeah, of course you need the crowd, you know. Yeah. But for ours, it's more like a place to chill, sit and chill. Okay. I think it's Haji Lane. Honestly, to me, for our business, it's lost the charm uh, of this mm. laid back street. Now it's just congested with people. Mm. It's great for businesses. Mm. Um, it's just not good for my business. Yeah. I see. Yeah. I see. I see. Hey, I'm, I'm, I wanted to say, like, when you when you said you had this idea of like, I want to have this place called Going Home, and everyone could come in, and like, regardless of who you are, we accept you. You know, I think that's a real reflection of you, as well. Um, I guess I <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't I don't like to be judged, so I don't like to judge people either. So yeah. I think because I've I've been the minorities of the minorities when I was living in London. You know, mm. I was I was Chinese. Mm. Uh, I was gay. Yeah. Uh, I go out in drag once in a while. So mm-hmm. and I was a goth. So I'm like the minorities of the minorities, and sometimes I feel that discrimination, you know. But yeah, that's but, a real specific genre, though. <laughs> <laughs> a Chinese drag goth. I like it. Yes. Yeah. So so mm-hmm. yeah. That, but but then again, saying that the people there were were very accepting. Like the people that I live with, like the corner shop people. Um, the convenience shop people or my neighbors—they're very, very accommodating and very nice. Yeah. Um, but in Singapore, I find it a bit harder. I, so actually, that was that was one of the things I wanted to yeah. ask because you see, I grew up in many different countries. How do I put this in the right way? It's like 
However, I feel the most direct, um, it's not discrimination, I don't want to use the word discrimination, but I feel more, I, I felt more different coming into Singapore than I did going into a country of people that didn't know anything about me. Mm. Um, I don't know if that's the case because I grew up in a country like New Zealand and, you know, I traveled to places like England or the US or things like that. Or maybe, maybe it's Western society, you know, it's mm. got this idea of like, you do you. You know, like whatever it may be, you do you. I'm, I'm hands off. I'm not going to judge you. You don't judge me. We're cool. Yeah. You know, whereas I feel like when I first came back to Singapore, there was a lot of like, like, why, like, hey, why you talk like this? You, you think you're better. I'm like, yeah. the yeah. fuck? I, I, I've sounded like this. Oh, but you got slang on. It's like, dude, I, yeah, I, you've yeah. known me for like yeah. over 10 years. You know, I, I have not like, I sound like this, man. It's like, I, I, yeah. So, you know, but I, I feel like last time when I used to put out YouTube videos, when I put out YouTube videos in Singlish, you know, the comments were like, oh, good thing, Eden, you're finally speaking and not putting on an accent anymore. I was like, oh, oh shit, you know, but I mean, eh, it it's is. annoying. It's like, I mean, I mean, okay, whether or not I, I've, I've met actually Singaporeans who have not been abroad, yeah. And they speak with a constant American accent. Okay. And I'm like, uh, wow, you live somewhere else. I'm like, uh, no, I haven't. I'm like, oh, but you've got an American accent. It's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, okay, I don't judge them. Yeah. You know, so so why are people... I, I feel that, though, the younger generation these days, they're mm. less judgy like that. Is that right? Yeah, they're mm. less judgy. Um, and also, I mean, it also depends on what kind of family background they come from. Mm. You know, mm. you, will, you, will always get, you will always get some of them that will turn around, no matter what you speak, Mandarin. Well, Singapore, we're so used to being stereotyped into a, a certain uh, mole or stereotypes, you know, okay. and, and you're slightly out of it. Then okay, you're wrong. Yeah, uh, the hammer, the, the nail that sticks out get, exactly. gets hammered. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, so I think well, we I need see. to open up our. Yeah, it's true, man. Because the other country that I can relate to is Japan. Mm. You know, and Japan, Japan's an interesting one because bullying is very, very big. Even mm. I did primary school for a little while when mm-hmm. I was in Japan, and bullying was big, man. It was mm. like if you're a little bit different or you do something slightly different. I mean, I remember there was a kid who, um, he grew up in Panama. Um, so he was like English speaking. So, you know, I used to talk to him quite a bit, but he was still Japanese, um, just English speaking. And they used to make fun of him and call him, hey, Panema, Panema. And they're like, make fun of him. Mm. Um, but at the same time, me as the foreign kid, they were like, hey, this is something cool. This is something new. You know, they used to be like, oh, what's the thing you're wearing? Oh, braces? Oh, my goodness. What is that? You know, so I don't know, because Japan has that, you know, subculture of things like, you know, Harajuku mm. area or people being very different. You know, Japan's got all sorts of crazy stuff going on. But at the same time, society also expects you to conform. It's just a, I, I don't know, man. It's something interesting that I've always wanted to, you know, explore and all that. Um, I wanted to ask you, it's interesting that you said that people are less judgy these days, right? Mm. I kind of agree with the fact that I think people face-to-face are less judgy. But when it comes to social media, right, I feel like there's too much judging. I and think that when I say less judgy, probably just to the accents... Oh, the and, not, and not every expects in life, you know. Right. Um, I don't think that people has changed uh, very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you said, they're probably keyboard warriors now. Yeah. You know, when you see them face to face, and and you know me, I'm very blunt. I'm very yes. straightforward. I speak the truth, mm-hmm. um, which is why a lot of people don't like me. Um, you know, and and the best way to tell someone off is just to speak the truth. I. <laughs> I, I have to believe you because everyone likes Ollie. I've <laughs> never heard of anyone who doesn't like Ollie, but okay, may, maybe in your life. Well, there. the mean ones, I guess, if they're yeah. mean to me, then I, I tell the truth, but I don't, uh-huh. I don't say it to hurt them, you know. Yeah. 
um, I said enough for them to back off. Yeah. So it's, I think it's a it's an admirable trait. You know, I would say that perhaps not having to put on some sort of facade and pretend in front of someone. Well, well, I've lost a lot of jobs because of that as well. Mm. You know, like there's always people in power okay. that don't like other people to speak up and I'm not one to keep quiet when something is wrong. Mm. So it's a pro and con. Right. But but I think at my age now, I, I've learned to just live my life and do what I do as long as I'm speaking the truth mm-hmm. and being truthful to myself. Um, you I don't care what people think. That that's very mature for yeah. someone at the age of twenty one. <laughs> yeah, twenty one times two plus <laughs> six. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you're talking about being turned down for jobs, right? Mm-hmm. That that's kind of where we met. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, if we rewind the video all the way back to I don't even know what year that was. I first came out of NS. So I'm guessing twenty eleven. God, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah. And we met on the set of Fried Rice Paradise. Yeah, that's right. Um, and Fried we were both Rice Paradise, nasi going, very nice. nice. Uh, <laughs> I actually listened to the soundtrack on the way here. I'm like, what if Ollie, like, you know, starts singing one of them? I want to be able to continue. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was, it, it was nice. I actually went to look up the songs from the musical, but they didn't have it. They had um, they had Dick Lee singing mm-hmm. his. Um, his version of Friday's Paradise. There were a few other songs. I actually, one of my friends, Daniel, like was singing on one of the songs, but mm. I couldn't find the actual recording of the. I remember the, 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 the there was CDs. there was a CD. Yeah. yeah, well, it's not on Spotify. Uh, okay. Yeah, but uh, it's okay. I'll, I'll look it up. But um, so we met on the set of Friday's Paradise. Mm-hmm. This was this was me. Um, fresh out of NS like I knew nothing right. I was just like really excited to get started on this and it was one of the biggest like kind of like uh, rocks uh, uh, like shaky rocky period where I was woken up to this like oh my goodness like there's so much out there and I learned so many new things and I was like oh my goodness my um, the world is full of all these things that I didn't know and I'd say step one you know I I knew Jeffrey. So Jeffrey was the choreographer back mm-hmm. then. And I knew Jeffrey through um, one of the things that I did with NDP mm-hmm. back in the day, right? When I was in NS. So at that time, I was a breakdancer. And I was this very, like, gritty, like, breakdancer. Like, want me to do flips, man? I can do power moves. I can do whatever stuff you want me to do, man. I'm going to pull it off. Mm-hmm. And then we walk into first rehearsal. So first rehearsal was actually preparing for, like, a gala night or something like that. And we... We walked in, and I, rem- I, I re- clearly remember Frenchie being there. I cannot remember exactly who else. I think Fahan was there as well, but I remember it was like Jeffrey, Jeffrey said, okay, now let's learn the routine. And the routine began, and I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> My body cannot do that. And it was a, it was a I was, it's not content, but I'd say it was a, it was a more jazz yeah. commercial yeah. dancing routine. Yeah. And I was like, shake my hips like that. Excuse you. And I felt so stupid, man. And then, but when I looked around, I was like, oh shit, everyone's shaking their hips and doing it real well. I think you were there as well. We're like throwing the towels and something like that, you know. And from then on, I was like, yo, I need to take a second look at myself and look at what I'm doing and really broaden my mind you know like there's so many dance forms out there you know and and what am i looking at why am i being so specific you know and actually that journey helped my breakdancing improve a lot mm-hmm. you know um but that, that's a that's a whole nother thing but um yeah I mean, it was like good times and in, in fried rice paradise i remember um first time oh we performed at the esplanade mm-hmm. yep what what other memories do you have from that man i remember <laughs> I remember the the set coming down. Remember, and it was and stuck. It got stuck halfway yeah, yeah. through the show. We had to stop the show. Yeah. That's right. And then yeah. and then Dex, who was the director yes, at the time, yes. Dex just goes, 
no nah, live theater this is just how it goes you know um yeah, yeah it's it was so funny i i would bring up i would bring up one one funny incident mm. um um so so dex was like about to run rehearsal and i think for some reason uh dickley he he had some uh, like a um, I had something on. So that day, um, he wasn't at rehearsal. So um, I think Dex wanted to show something. So mm-hmm. he was like, um, was it Ruth on the keyboard? Was it Ruth? No, no, it wasn't Ruth. I think it was, um, oh, what's her name? The music arranger lady. Was it Ruth? Yeah, I think it's Ruth. Short hair lady. Oh, yeah, Ruth really good at piano. Yeah, 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 so Ruth, Ruth right? Yeah. So we're, I think it was Darius that, mm-hmm. it was like Darius and, and a few of us doing this scene of like uh, guys dancing with chairs right, and all right. this kind of stuff. And um, and he goes, hey, I, I want to show, show Dick this thing. And then um, the, the um, what do you call him? Stage manager. Stage manager was like, uh, um, hey, sorry, Dex, um, Dick Lee's not coming in today or Dick's not coming in today. And, and Dex goes, no, Dick? He goes, no, Dick? And he goes, no, Dick? <laughs> ah, story of my life. <laughs> <laughs> And that still stuck with me till this day, man. That was that was super funny. And um, I remember being on the stage for the first time. Never had that microphone put on my head, man. Right, right. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it's called, but that you know special theatery that mic and yeah. yeah. And through that, I rem- that's the first time I met Ashley as well. Mm-hmm. Um, hairdresser Ashley, and I was just so blown away by mm-hmm. what he does and the legend. Yeah, I just opened yeah. my mind up to to theater and all this kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask you like um for theater like before fried rice i mean you were already very accomplished by then right so how did you how did you start this whole thing were you like a performer first or like how did it work no i i wouldn't use the word very accomplished um i've done a lot of stuff um i actually went to i I did stuff even before i went to england um Mm -hmm. i was doing like amateur stuff with broadway theater with um stage club um, and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and then I went to, and then I studied in in uh, La Salle for a bit. Um, before I graduated, I went to England. Mm-hmm. And Wait, were you studying in England, or this was? I performing? was studying musical theater. Oh, I did a, a bachelor in musical theater. Oh, is that that's that's what your degree is? Yeah. In? Okay, bachelor of bach, uh, was it bachelor of arts? The, it's actually bachelor of theater dance. Bachelor bracket, of musical theater. Bachelor so, of Theatre Dance, does that mean that you, like, you're a dance major who also... A dance major. Okay. Yeah, so okay, okay. I, so, but, but then I focused on uh, musical theatre. Okay. Yeah, so, yeah. Why, so, why musical, though? Like, it was it a musical you watched <laughs> early on that caught your attention? Okay, or? to be really honest, um, when I went there, I hated musicals. I love to sing, but I hated musicals because when I was in La Salle, I was doing acting class uh-huh. and our teacher hated musical theater. So it's one of those things where, oh, it's not good. Is that, so you just kind of, yeah, influenced. Mm. And, but when I went to London, uh, I, um, on the third year, we have to choose a, um, a major in contemporary, in jazz, in ballet mm-hmm. or musical theater. So I was actually uh, asked to go to the school on a scholarship for ballet. And then, um, and then later on, I realized I didn't want to do that, so I wanted to do contemporary. Oh. And then my contemporary teacher was like, "Your contemporary is not strong enough; it's going to affect your grades." And I don't like jazz, so the only other option was musical theater. Oh. So I went to my singing teacher. I'm like, "Philip, look, um, um, I I don't want to go to ballet. I can't do contemporary. I don't want to go to jazz." Um, I guess I have to come here and it's like come Ollie you sing you act why don't you just join us so that's how I got into musical theatre yeah but 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 throughout the years I've learned to love it I've learned um, how it works um, and yeah and you're good at it I'm all right Um, yeah no you're good at it but but so before that you were a ballet 
a classically trained ballet dancer? I wouldn't dancer. say classically trained. I was trained at dance arts、um, many years ago on a scholar's course under、okay. Tony Laser. He's passed on now, bless、okay. his soul. Um, um, he's funny.、Um, he calls me baby hippopotamus because、okay. I have very big thighs for a ballet dancer. Okay, but that pushed well, me. Ballet dancers have big thighs.、Um, not like mine. You know, they have long、mm. limbs. So my limbs, are, I mean, my legs are not as long to have that kind of thighs. <laughs> Excuse you. You're like what one eighty? So no one seven. Nine, yeah, yeah. There you go. But anyway, so, okay. Sorry. So anyway, yeah. So that pushed me though, and and then、um, yeah. So I I was very much into ballet. So、huh. and I was a bit、uh, arrogant that time. It's like ba- ballet is the only dance. Any other dance form is not dance. It's a watered down version of ballet. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Everything else is. You know. No, <laughs> Whoa.、Yeah. Okay. Okay. So and, so, but ballet was something that like as a kid you're like. I want. I want to dance. Mom and Dad put me in ballet. Yeah, it's one of those. But、uh, my mom and Dad didn't allow me to dance.、Uh, so I only started dancing when I was eighteen and no nineteen、mm-hmm. and in the army when I got money from the army. Because、so、you're an officer. I, I was、this. an officer, so、oh. I took that money to. To enroll myself in the dance courses. Wow! So my cadets would laugh at me. It's like, oh, so so you're going for ballet class? I'm like, yeah. So what? I say, can you do this? And then I do a split or I lift up my legs, <laughs> and they'd be like, whoa! I'm like, uh huh. There you go. Were were you open about being gay back then? Um. Well, th- I think during our times. Yeah. We don't really talk about these things. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. and and for me, like gay or not, you know, I'm not gonna declare. Like people declare, like I think three o two or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then they do clock work and stuff, and I'm、yeah. like, well, I can do more than a straight man. I'm fitter、yeah. than them, so why not? You know, which is why I I I, I mean, like in Singapore, that you fall into this stereotypical. Uh, types, you know, where you have to be like that. Oh, gay men do this, and that's like, why? Why is there even that? Right. You know, right. like I understand there's some who are softer and、mm-hmm. they prefer not to.、Mm-hmm. Probably is to safeguard them, but but I I don't think that people should be put into categories. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Because I wanted to talk to you about manliness. Like,、mm. I think you're a very manly man, and I think a lot of people, um, I guess people would perceive someone who's gay as someone who's softer. But that is not always the case. I feel. I I I think I'm I'm an irony in life. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm manly. I can be I can be camp if I want to. But which is why I said I don't like to fall into a category, and it's more to sexuality than just、uh, you know heterosexual, asexual, and bisexual and homosexual. There's a lot of different sexualities these、mm-hmm. days, and、mm-hmm. that's how it should be. I mean, everyone is different.、Uh, you know. Um, for me, it's not about being a man or not, but but I just feel like the way I look, you know,、um, I, I'll behave a certain way. If I if I'm in drag, I'm not gonna、mm. you know walk like a man. Yeah, I see. As, like an actor, you know, yeah. You, you put on a, a costume, a you、character. put on a mask. <laughs> Who, where where do you feel yourself the most <clears throat> comfortable though? Like for example, Ollie wakes up in the morning、mm-hmm. at like eight a.m. or whatever, and you start <clears throat> like. You know, prancing around the house as you would. Would it be like a like a prancy Ollie, or would it be like、uh, like a you know? Wh- where where do you feel the most comfortable? You're like, this is me not acting. Most comfortable is when I'm in my pajamas, lying in bed, <laughs> which is a torn T-shirt.、Um, okay. Um, some no tie, pants like Winnie the Pooh. Tie boxing shorts. Oh, tie boxing shorts, right?、Uh, yeah, I love tie boxing <laughs> shorts, and and yeah. 
just roughed okay. up hair and, and that's that's my most comfortable self right yeah <laughs> okay. I mean I like dressing up I mean you know I'm, I'm vain as in, as in since you were a kid you like dressing up or um, you? I mean dressing up not necessarily as a woman even as a man I like to dress up yeah, I dress like to nice look, and yeah okay. I like to look good I mean who doesn't right is that from young um, yeah I guess okay but I had a horrible dressing sense when I was younger but you thought it was cool uh, yeah of course <laughs> I like it. I like it. So then after that, I guess, so you went from ballet, then you went to musical theater. And then it was during your perf- time as a performer doing musical theater that you opened um, going Ohm. Yeah. Right. Uh, yep. Actually, I was doing, oh, no, I wasn't doing front rest. I was doing Beauty World with another company, was it? Yeah. I can't remember. I was doing Beauty, Beauty World. Beauty World was before... No, it wasn't. Oh, Fright Rice was with SRT. Yes, it was. And Beauty World was with um, um, Wild Rice. Right. Yeah. While okay. I was doing Beauty World, rehearsing for Beauty World, that was when I set up going home. Oh, yeah. so it was just it was just a few years before, I guess. Um, 2008, 2007, 2007 eight. Yeah, around then. Yeah. Eight, right. Yeah. Okay. And then, so, um, I, well, I think before we move on, I just wanted to talk about um, going home, like the closing of going home, mm. because. It was COVID one of the big things that you know um, led going on to its last days? One of the I think is the thing that mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I, like, honestly, like the ban of shisha wasn't like oh this hit me hard. The ban of shisha hit, and then we did we did um, we we kind of promoted the uh, local artist scene, and that that worked. Um, but I mean, okay, so it was it was a mixture. Of the rise in um, mm-hmm. um, rent, um, because our seating capacity remains the same, but the rent has gone up like four times. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then COVID hit. COVID. Wait, sorry. The rent went up four times. Yeah, it went up four times, um, and it's still going up. As in gradually over the years? Oh uh, yeah, over the fourteen years. Oh right, right. Yeah, okay, yeah. it's fourteen years. Which I is think. understandable, you know. I, I mean, yeah, but sure. but for a business to sustain. Um, we just don't have enough sitting capacity capacity to 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 pay off. Okay, do you mind me asking the prices and figures? Is it sensitive? Um, I would say in the beginning it was within the two thousand region per month per month, and now it's okay. Um, well, gone up to before COVID was close to ten k. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So our landlady was being nice during COVID. She did reduce the rent a little bit. Um, but still, because of the closure, the oh, two man. sitting, the five sitting, back to two sitting. Uh, actually, when the second time when they went back to two sittings yeah. um, of twos, that that really ruined us. Um, mm. And it's just tiring trying to to fight this. And you know, oh, gosh. Uh, yeah. And and yeah. And I mean, I mean, whatever the government could do is not enough to help us because uh. yes, um, you know, um, they help us with half a month's rent. Um, that's 50% sometimes and sometimes 100%, but then everything else, I still have to pay 100%. Hmm. So that didn't help. Yeah. That's that's heavy. Uh, I want, uh, you okay? You know, I, I wanted to ask like, um, okay, so maybe we'll, we'll talk about this um, idea of pulling the plug, hmm. right? I think pulling the plug on something is something that's not easy, mm-hmm. you know? So what, what was that journey like with, I mean, you see things, you know, I was crashing as the word. You see things not going as well as it used to, you know. Mm-hmm. How, like, at what point do you look at it and how do you gather up that the balls and the maturity to say, look, pull the plug? I, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example, right? Um, for me, I do pull the plug 
on things, but I do it very rarely because of my will to see things through. Mm. So when I start something, I'm like, look, almost, okay, I won't say everything, but things that I've got passion in, I want to be number one. Like if I'm going to compete in this, if I'm going to do this thing, I want to be the best that, that ever was at this thing, you know? And it's very hard for me to pull the plug on things to say, look, I think this season of this is done. You know, as I get older, it becomes easier. But when I was younger, I found it very difficult to pull that plug and say, look, I enjoyed it for what it was. Let me move on, you know? So so when it comes to, I would say, moving on or pulling the plug or calling it quits on a certain thing, right? Like, how do you how do you go about doing something like that? Okay, let me just say, I, I am very the opposite from you. When I do something, I never think about winning. Um... I do it because I love doing it. And because of that, when I was 17, uh, I loved dogs. I loved to handle dogs. I joined a competition, I mean, like competitions in Singapore. And and I ended up representing Singapore in a competition in UK. I did not know that. As a dog trainer? At Kraft, at a junior handling competition. Damn! So when I was there, I was like, hey, yay, I represent Singapore, right? Uh, I don't care if I don't get anything. It's a free trip here. Huh. And then I got picked up uh, to be the la- final six. And then I'm like, yay, I'm in the final six. And next thing I knew was that I, I won the competition. <laughs> I, I did not know this about but, you. But you see, okay. the, the, the thing for me, like even with the, sc- the schooling, like I never wanted, I never asked for a scholarship. Mm. Uh, I never, I just worked for it as if I really love dance. I love, I love whatever I do yeah. and then um, this guy from England like he, he is the administrator of the school who used to be in Singapore uh, famous dancer Francis Yeo, yeah. and uh, who was also in the dog scene and then he's like um, I said is it possible for me to get a scholarship he's like well let me see your credentials and then I showed him and everything he's like sure I'll apply that for you so I got a, a scholarship hmm. so I, I feel that maybe a lot of people, we always want to win and being competitive. Nothing wrong with that. We all built differently. But mm. sometimes because of that, we, we run into a lot of walls. And and if you can't break the wall down, you get hit hard. Mm. And you get injured. You get really, really discouraged. But if, you, if it was more of a passion, if you're just passionate about doing it, it doesn't matter if you're the first or the last. Because right. at the end of the day, you have a really great journey anyway. Huh. You know, I mean, I like that. It's a so, very nice perspective. Yeah. So it's the same for growing home. Like it's been fourteen years. Um, to be honest, like three, four years ago, I I really kind of lost the will to to carry on going home because it was very different from how I started it. You know, mm. it's become too commercialized. The street is not what I liked it to be. Mm. The rent is is very high. Um, mm-hmm. I just don't think it's worth it anymore. Um, so when, when COVID happened, you know, and when all this happened, I tried last year mm. to, to, to push it a little bit further with the ping lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about that later. But um, yeah, so, so I think this year, it's just, I just realized, you know what, it's pointless holding on to something that's not working out yeah. in a place that's, that's not suitable for it anymore. Mm. So I let it go. But then, but then for me, there's never a beginning. There's never an ending to anything. So oh. I let it go because it's just not the right time for it anymore mm. or the right place. But who knows? Um, in a year's time, in two years' time, there might be a right time and place for, the, for going home to come out again. Mm. But I don't think about it. Uh, I just let it be and just go with the flow. Um, and it just makes life a lot easier. I like yeah. it. It's, uh, yeah. That's really refreshing. It's almost like the way I see it. It's like 
I, I have this passion of this thing in me. Just because I stopped doing it for this period doesn't mean it's dead and it's gone forever. Exactly, yeah. It's like, I like doing it now. Now is the season for it. It doesn't mean I lose it. Yeah. You know, I come back to it later on. I still have that thing in me. Right. That makes that, I think that makes a lot of sense because then it's not like pulling the plug. It's just this period of my life, this is how I'm exploring it and this is the part of me that was showing in that period. Yeah. But right? then again, I, like, I focus, I, now I take the time to focus on something else but who knows, I might, um, when it comes back or if, if it comes back in mm. two years' time or one year's time, it could evolve to something totally different but still mm. with the name going on with the same philosophy of mm. catering for people um, having a community, mm. being a sanctuary, you know, but well, maybe oh, a different sorry. form. Yeah, I totally agree. What is OM? Okay, so basically, um, <laughs> the name actually was given to us by a friend. Uh, uh, he's a copywriter, so they're good with words. Um, so, right, when in England, you said, uh, mm-hmm. I'm going on, mate. I'm going on. Yeah. means you're going home, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So, going OM, OM uh, in Sanskrit, it has 100 over meanings, but... The one that we we adopted was that um, to coming coming back into yourself uh, within oh, yourself okay. to find the God within yourself, the truth within yourself. So in a way, it says going home, mm-hmm. right? H O M E. He who comes home, uh, go, who he who comes home goes home. So you take away the H and the E as okay. O M. So going home. So okay. going within. When when people meditate and they make this um sound, is it the same thing or is it? Okay, well, so basically, excuse my ignorance, but no, 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 no. I don't think it's ignorance. Um, you know, um, um, om actually, if you look at it scientifically, it's the sound of the universe. That's the vibration huh. of the universe. So okay. if you actually uh, hum om itself, you're connecting yourself through all this noise pollution that we have on this earth, all the way to the universe and and uniting yourself with the universe. And this this kind of unity, hmm. it brings some sort of inner peace and, and grounding. So when you say OM, if you try doing it like many times yourself, just sit there and just keep saying OM. At some point you feel so buzzed, you know, and huh. you feel really light. Yeah. So why, why, why in specific, like why this consonant? Why why m mm and why it's oh, actually, why this vowel? It's not why m at home. It's uh, It's actually uh, um, a u m a Oh, I yeah. see. But it's now spelled o m. But it's a u m actually. It's written out as um, o m. Yeah. But it's pronounced as um. Yeah. Um. So it's oh. actually whole whole um, variation of of sounds in there. Singing teachers would be so proud of you as well. <gasps> I know, right? Thanks. <laughs> right. That's really cool. Hey, what is your um your your take on when you say about the universe and all that, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I see you're into like st- stones as well. Um, you okay with that? You want me to shift it? Yeah, just um, if the filter is coming out, just push it to the side, force it. There, yep, there you, you go. go. Mm-hmm. There you go. You're good. Okay. What what is you know when you when you talk about the universe and all this, right? I'm always curious about this. Cause I'm always curious to. <clears throat> to learn about to to learn about this right so so how does this thing work like with the with the universe and you know when you talk about the universe is this do you communicate with the universe or is it like oh, well actually if you ask me I'm, I'm i'm very sensitive to the word spiritual uh spirituality spiritual people um mm-hmm. um uh, i teach yoga and I, I i i do meditation i do healing as well and i do readings and i speak to spirits but 
I really don't like the word spiritual because a lot of people are trying to be spiritual. And I, 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 for me, I think to be spiritual is really just finding the truth within yourself. That's the most spiritual thing you can ever do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, the, the last thing I would like to tell someone is to be superstitious. Um, you know, it's, it's just like having a whole religion on crystals and everything again. Mm-hmm. Um, they do serve a purpose. Everything serves a purpose. Crystals mm-hmm. perform in different heat pressure light um um you know environment so they they do give out a certain uh, vibration so different crystals give out different vibrations if you really study them you know how to use them it's just like using an iphone and an android phone then you know exactly what you could do with them Mm. but being superstitious and 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 relying on them then then it's not good um, mm. If you ask me, I think the best thing is just to really sit there and meditate and and listen to yourself, um, and 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 find that truth within. How powerful is meditation, in your opinion? How powerful? Um, okay, okay, maybe it's let, like let me, yeah. So I was going to prefix yeah, it by saying okay. so. I was on a flight recently, and so when I went on a honeymoon with my wife, right? So we went on a flight from. Let me see where we were. We were in Miami and we we're heading over to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So on this trip, right, I sat next to this kind of like a very like kind of country guy, like redneck. He kind of sound like this, you know. He said sat right next to me, and then he goes, um, he was like, he was like, hey man, are you into meditation? And he started going on and on. The flight was like five hours. It was mm-hmm. four or five hours or something. Yeah. My wife just fell asleep, so I was there left by myself, <laughs> speaking to Mister Redneck, super super cool guy, like very nice guy, and he was so passionate about meditation that mm-hmm. he went on and on and on about it if I'm being very honest even though um, I, I do meditate as well perhaps a different type from him but I, I do believe that meditation does work now where it spun and got a bit more interesting and I got and then the conversation got a bit more weighted was that he was an anti-vaxxer so he did not he believed that so one I think one of his kids got COVID but uh, he was a father of like four or five or something like that and he was telling me how like meditation and the right beliefs can stop you from getting COVID and can stop cancer right so I think (laughs) by your expression you know I, I don't know like to what extent you know I do believe that meditation and spending time with oneself whether you're meditating on a on a specific topic whether you're some people talk to God some people have it as a time that they just spend listening to themselves listening to nature appreciating different things looking inwards I believe that there is a lot of power to meditation mm. but I wanted to ask like because you're, you're very familiar with this right so mm. how does this whole thing work actually? okay I think meditation is like um, if you ask me, is it necessary? It's like, is it necessary to clean your room? Oh. Right. So meditation is is not is is a journey. It's not a destination. Um, meditation. Mm. Um, a lot of people think it's a, it's it's a, it's a destination. Oh, I'm meditating. I'm meditating. I'm doing this. If you think like that, then then it defeats the whole purpose. Um, you you have to just experience it yourself and really I think there are a lot of different types of meditation you can be walking and meditating some people find um, writing meditating some people find uh, playing games meditating it's engaging the mind but I I think those are baby steps to start um, meditating basically to get your mind to be observant of what's going on um, in 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 yogic terms, they call it samadhi. When you come to samadhi, which is enlightenment, mm-hmm. um, every one of us has felt um, enlightenment 
maybe even for a brief moment, when you felt that, oh my God, you felt so wholesome, like everything was just, is just supposed to be where they're supposed to be. So mm. through meditation, you can make this wholesome experience more, um, more regular. Yeah. Um, so to me, that's meditation. And you say about this, uh, if you meditate, you can actually um, fight diseases and stuff like that. Um, the power of the mind, I believe, is very strong. And, and to me, I believe it can happen. Mm. I believe that if you think you can fly, you can fly. But mm. the thing is, do you believe enough? Any ounce of disbelief will make you fail. Right. So when you are so um, um, uh, into meditation and you can really do it, you fly. But but it's not what you think it is. You fly in a different way. You start communicating with um, other other energies. You start mm. traveling. Um, you know, out of body traveling. You know, and then you go into different places you start seeing things you start knowing things you start hearing things mm. in a way it's like a supernatural power but but when you go into meditation seeking this supernatural power it's like mm. what i said about life earlier when you go into something you do and you want to be first then it defeats the purpose of what you're doing right because when you're not first you just wasted five years of your time trying right. to be first and that's not right. enjoying what you really do. Mm. So that's the same with meditation. The more you try to aim for something, the more it wouldn't happen. Or it would happen, but you're stuck with that. Right. But the more you allow it to, to, to be and to find out the real essence of yourself, you start seeing deeper things. You start. I, I saw my mom's tumor when she had tumor. I was in London. She was in Singapore. She was like, oh, I have the doctor said I've got tumor in my throat. Uh, I've got two. And then I meditated. I saw three. I said, mom, I saw three. But um, I tried to do some healing. Two of them went off. One was still, you know, remaining just a little bit. But huh. it's, it's fine. It's not going to affect you. Not in the short term. But I said, you do what you need to do. So you don't, you know, if you think you want to go for the surgery, don't let me stop you. You need to feel good about it. Yeah. So she went for the surgery. And when she went for the surgery, she's like, oh, you're right. I have three. I said, I told you. I said, oh. actually, you don't need to, but then you need to do... I think we all here, um, and everyone, we have our divine timing to, to do something, to believe in something. So mm. there's no need to rush. We are all at the best versions of ourselves right. now. So don't try to be someone else or, or look forward to being something else. Um, then you're going out of the, the force, the mm. karma, whatever you call it. What, what, what does... Okay, so... I think you've covered like a, a real spectrum of things, right? Mm. Like when when one goes into meditation, like I, I find it impossible, I'm close to impossible mm. to think of nothing. For someone to say, sit there and have an empty mind, a blank mind, no. Because the moment I, I, I close my eyes, I think, do I need to get lunch for my wife? Then I think, should I go to jujitsu class or should I cancel the class? No, I should train. No, why am I thinking about this? No, empty mind, empty mind. But no matter what, your mind will always keep ticking. So do you have a focus point or, you know, how does this thing start? But, uh, okay, so I think meditation, many different people have different methods of doing stuff, right? Like truth, to me, there's only one truth, but there are many religions. Um, mm. And martial arts, there's only one form of martial arts, to me, to be honest, right? Mm. Defense. But or attack, but there are many different schools of it. Same right. with meditation. But to me, whenever I tell my students to meditate, I would say, observe your breath, um, mm. observe your thoughts, 
However many thoughts they have coming in, observe them, but do not engage in them. Don't have a conversation. So should I go to the uh, jujitsu oh. class and then let it be? Don't answer it. And then, oh, should I get my wife lunch? Don't answer it. Don't answer it. Your mind right. will eventually get tired of all these questions not being answered. They will stop asking questions. And then oh. when you get emotionally involved in it, and you go, oh my God, oh, and then it will start all over again. So when you do that, you, need, you keep focusing on your breath, exhaling slowly, and then slowly you find yourself in this space where you're just so... They use the word zand out, I would say spaced out, or whatever it is. You feel your body getting really light, but you, you should not get emotionally involved or intellectually involved in it. Just observe. Huh. All okay. you're doing is observing yourself, and that's it. That, right. that is a preparation for meditation. And then once you get right. there, no one, I believe, can teach meditation. Hmm. Um, I can teach you how or prepare you to be in a state for meditation to start because meditation starts with the person. Right. Yeah. It, it doesn't start from an outside kind of induced thing like drugs. Can you control desires through meditation? Control desires through meditation? Yeah. Like you can focus on... I don't, I don't want to use the word dousing it, but it's like keeping things under control. But there are also yoga poses for different... Like pranayama that you can use for different... Um, um, desires. Oh, is that right? Yeah, like oh. if you're feeling sexual, there's a like, like there's a sudden pulse that you can do. You so know. crossing your legs very hard. <laughs> no, just kneel down, <laughs> kneel down with your palms on your on your thighs and close your eyes, straighten your spine, and that helps reduce it. Huh? Yeah. Really? So the I mean, which is why yoga is not just a lot of people go to yoga and they want to do funny poses, and I have people come to my class. Oh, I want to do handstand. I want to do handstand. I'm like, but you're not ready for it. I'm like, why do you want to do it? Oh, I want to put it on my Instagram. I'm like, you're coming to the wrong school. I said, go somewhere else. <laughs> oh, Instagram yeah. yoga. No, gosh. Like my, my, my students, like if they can do a triangle pose for like three minutes or five minutes, then, yeah. then it's great. There's a lot of struggle yeah. going within yourself. You're fighting or, or warrior one pose, you know, Virabhasana. Yeah. When you stand there, you feel a lot of struggle. Your mind starts to work. Your body starts to work. Your, huh. your breathing starts to be affected. And then you start to control yourself and you find the equilibrium. And when you find that, to me, that is yoga. Ah, that's yeah. so interesting. I, I, one of the things you mentioned, I've been like hanging on to it. I was like, okay, well, hold it, hold it. Okay. But now's the time I want to ask. Did you say you talk to spirits? Yes. Um, Please tell me more, man. I'm so, very interested in this. Um, okay, I, I, I'm one of those like I, I don't like to read. I don't. I'm not good at, at academic stuff, so I don't study. Um, if you ask me anything, um, I'm more of an intuitive. So I've spoken to people, and when they come to me for readings, sometimes it happens. Um, it's not sorry. Readings, as in you read tarot cards. Yeah, they come to me for like tarot card reading or, or whatever readings you know um, hmm. but I don't like to do fortune telling I would right. see what the issue is the, what the blockage is and then I help them to to deal with it hmm. uh, and I don't like to do work for them I always make them work for themselves um, okay so yeah sometimes spirits come to me I speak to them um, I've spoken to people in in Sanskrit I've spoken in uh, old classic Punjabis. I've spoken in uh, Bahasa Indonesian, um, in Swedish, in languages that I don't speak. You're speaking to to dead 
people? Well, they speak through me to the person that come to me for the reading. Right. So this person, like, like so you're a vessel I'm for a vessel. them. Yeah, I'm a vessel. Like an instrument. Okay. Exactly. So Ooh. yeah, and then I I see them like I see sometimes I see um, visions or symbols um, that tell me what's going on. So I just pass on the message. And and to me, I always tell the the people that come to me. I said, and and it's true. And I don't remember anything. Uh, mm-hmm. People coming back to me say, "Oh, you remember you told me that last year?" That and I'm like, uh, "No, you know." So right. I don't remember things, which is the great thing about me. Otherwise, there's too much karma and too much information to keep. Um, so mm. so it's one of those that that when they come to me, it happens. It happens. You know. Can you speak to animals? I have tried very hard. I've spoken to my dog. Um, Dogs, right? Uh, well, yeah. The other one, I don't try to speak to her. She's too, uh, she's too vain and stubborn. So I don't talk. I to wonder vain where people. she gets it from. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. Yeah, so it must be the name. The, anyway. the older one, the older one, uh, I've tried speaking to her. Um, it works. I spoke to my cat when she was lost. Uh, when he was lost, mm-hmm. um, it worked. Because showed me the vision of the door, uh, what color door it was in front of, what flower pot. What? Yeah, and then really? and then I found him there. Yeah, Do it's it's not it's so not one of those. But you see, that's that's the thing. It shouldn't be something that people want to pursue. It's not something I've I've ever pursued. It just came. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if if like I have I I had someone asking me like a month oh no three weeks ago, mm. oh, Oli, I want to learn this spiritual thing. I want to I want to talk to spirit. I said for what. It's like, oh mm. no, you know, I just really want to know it. I say, when it's time, you will know it. But I say, now I know you want to do it because you want to show off with it. You want to. You want to reap the rewards from doing this yeah. thing. Yeah. So I okay. said, then, then it's probably not the best time for you to learn it because it's just mm. feeding your ego. Mm. Um, yeah. So when it happens, it happens. There's no need to search. Not everyone is meant to be an architect. Not everyone is meant to be a doctor. You yeah. know. So, but but every one of us has that ability. We, uh, I think it's it is not fair and it's unnecessary for us to go on judging, um, judging different concepts of other people and whatnot. Um, having said that, do you, do you ever see a kind of reader that you're like, I think that that's pretty not true, or is there no hundred percent? Okay, let, let me let me put it this way, like. Some people will tell me, like, I just had this conversation with my editor, Honey mm. Dior. I was like, I was talking about, like, um, the Zodiac. So we are talking about this year in Chinese New Year, and he was talking about, why don't we talk about, uh, we were talking about something like, why don't we talk about the fortunes of certain, so like, maybe I'm born in the year of the rabbit, in the year of the tiger, what sort of stuff does the rabbit go through, for example, right? Mm. Then I was saying, hey, but if you talk to 10 fortune tellers or Zodiac experts, Every single one of you is going to tell you something different. That's what I said. Mm. And he said, no, actually, there's some consistencies in it, you know. And I, I, I mean, I really don't know much about this, um, about mm. this, this aspect of things. But, you know, right. I'm trying to understand it as well. So is, is there like a, like, how, how do you tell? Like, okay, is this person so, just telling fibs, you know? So, so let's just say you have an iPhone 4 and mm. an iPhone 13 Pro Max, yeah. Pro Max Plus, Plus, I don't know, yeah, whatever. whatever, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, blah blah blah. So, they all do very basic functions, like to make phone calls, to send messages and stuff. Mm-hmm. Some works better. Some like the four would never work now, to be honest, right? Uh-huh. But they all had a basic function. Even use a, you use an iPhone four, you can still make phone calls. You mm-hmm. can still send basic messages mm-hmm. in WhatsApp and stuff. 
that's the same I feel with Zodiac. Like what we look at it now um, is that's in the market, that's on 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 the internet, is a very layman version and of what's going on. Just like if someone was to talk to us about quantum physics, mm-hmm. right? And if it's gonna go into the mechanics of quantum physics, we'll be sitting we here going, yeah, we're like, yeah, what? We what? Yeah. yeah. So that's the same with the zodiac thing. It's not just if you really look into it, uh, where you were born, um, what time you were born, um, all this makes a difference because when you're born, mm. for example, on spot A on the yeah. Earth, right? Mm-hmm. And when you were born on spot A at time B, right? Yeah. At that time, uh, um, the the stars, systems, um, and everything else around you is different. So okay. the magnetic fields that's given to you is different. Hmm. And if someone was born at the same time as you at spot C, but at time B, which is same as you, uh-huh. the stars, they're slightly further away from a certain star, certain magnetic fields. So mm-hmm. they have a certain personality traits. So oh. although you're born on the same day, but in a different place, you can have slightly differ, like uh, different uh, uh, traits. However, there is one that links to a, a, a generalized um, a trait right. of how you would be. Right. But then some people say, yeah, but I'm Libra, but I'm decisive. There could be other factors, you know. So I you see. you really I need see. to look into it and look at the timing and what's happening could be from your parents there would be some other energy that well, I, I, I mean energy I don't I mean in in scientific form energy mm-hmm. that's affecting it mm-hmm. just like a phone will get better reception here but you just moved it like one cm away it might just lose reception it's exactly mm, the same thing I see okay you know what okay I mean? yeah. gotcha gotcha got oh, that's super interesting man <laughs> I have over here like uh, you mentioned just now like um might be a bit of an abrupt jump, but mm-hmm. after talking about all this, all, all this kind of stuff, I want to talk about something which is very out the other field. But um, the pink lady. Mm-hmm. Yes, we said we we're gonna chat about that. Mm-hmm. Um, right before you came, I was watching um, this uh, what's it what's it called? Uh, I forgot the name of the particular YouTube channel, but it's called um 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 um, um it's right here. I can just pull it up actually. Um, it's called um, Spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. It's by a YouTube channel called Jubilee. So they were asking drag queens, like, um, they're asking, like, drag people. They're like, okay, can women do drag as well mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. I was just kind of doing my research on drag. But you do drag and you've been doing it for, for quite a while, right? So what 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 is drag? Um, I think drag has a different, very different um, understanding in the West and over here uh, in, in Asia. Asian okay. drags are normally very pretty girly like you know um um personas but in in the in the west especially in england where where i i picked it up and i learned it Mm they are usually an exaggeration of what a woman would be if a woman has high high eyebrows then they would have extremely high eyebrows like a caricature of a woman i won't say a caricature it's it's an exaggeration right um um, but they, they would never try to be a woman. Is so they would sing like like drag queens that sing. Like I'm, I sing. So I'm a drag queen that sing. Yeah. Um, but in the Singapore drag scene, I'm not known. I I don't push right. myself out there. I like to do my own things. Um, to me, drag is more an art form than what? Okay, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Um, mm-hmm. the drag scene, I. 
like how does one go about doing that you know like is is that because i imagine drag is something that you do i don't know you you feel the way you dress the way you perform the way but as in is there like a specific event you know that people like hey let's go to in drag for this like what makes a drag queen you know well i mean singapore there is a i don't know if you heard of projector uh, uh, it sounds like a, a movie theater that yes. shows. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So a friend of mine opened that, and um, and um, I think Back at the Bars is doing some drag shows there. Okay. Uh, Kumar is uh, you know first never. Co- uh, the comedian still Kumar. running. Yeah, yeah. Comedian okay. Kumar. Um, uh, I, 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 there is a there is a scene here. Definitely. Sorry, Oli. I was yeah. going to say he is good. Then I didn't know whether I should say he is good or she is good. But I I think. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. So anyway, yeah. Kumar is a re- really, really good she, comedian. But yeah. Yeah, but okay. Anyway, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah you were but, saying? Uh, but also I think that the the old school drags and the new school drag is very different as well. The old okay. school drag they live the lifestyle of a drag queen, but the new school drags a lot of them, they might not even live the lifestyle of a drag queen. You know. What what, what does it mean to live the lifestyle? Well, you know, some some drag queens they they would go out in drags uh, all mm. the time, uh, or most of the time. Okay. They're, they they. It's it's um it's quite a um a new thing for us. Like in the past, there was no such like people weren't there to go out and drag unless you were you were in transition or you were transgender. Right. Um, you would go out as a woman, you know, and stuff. So drag queens didn't really exist, and drag queens in a way mm. is entertaining. It's entertainment. Right. So a lot of people use it as an entertainment. They might not live their life as a woman, like as a woman and walk mm-hmm. around in high heels. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but now there's. I feel that there's a cross version where there are boys going out in heels and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. with makeup, but they're not. They're not really drag queens. Got you. You Got know. You. Yeah. But for me, like drag queen from from the old school London, when I when I saw it and picked it up, I just really admired how these people. It's not about being um, beautiful. It's about being glamorous and fabulous. Okay. It's different. Here is about being it's, pretty. It's not about being pretty. It's about being yeah, glamorous exactly. and fabulous. Exactly. Okay. So so and 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 talented. Like over there, you see the drag queens. They they sing. They, they, oh, most of them, they're stand-up comedians. Right. There's no, like, you know, they go up there, they, they make people laugh, they sing for real, mm-hmm. um, they some even dance, you know. Is, okay, um, I, do, is, is the fact that people, I mean, I, I don't know if this comedy thing is something that was a, was a fruit or was it a, a cause and effect kind of thing that they're like, hey, look, people are already laughing at me. Let me like become a comedian. Or it was like, I'm already a comedian. I'm going to dress in drag. Or like, you know, how how does one like, okay, maybe, let, me, yeah, 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 let, yeah. let me put it this way. It's, it's like, okay, if I today walk outside balancing a chair on my head, I am out of the ordinary you know mm-hmm. when kids see me kids are gonna stare you know like someone out of like not out of malicious intent or whatever they're gonna stare because i look this way same with when i had a mohawk you know people would look at me mm-hmm. people would stare at me you know when when someone goes out and drag right it's like it, do you kind of or i mean you're like i would say most drags are very visually a man you know they're they're yep. built. You know they look like a dude. Uh, they they sound like a dude as well. But they're dressed as a woman, right? So does does one who's dressed in drag 
get annoyed by like, hey, why are you looking at me this way? You should respect me and treat me as I am. Or is it kind of the effect that, hey, look, I'm putting on a character and I'm enjoying this performance mm. and no matter what, what you know, reaction it gets out of you, I embrace that. Like, how, how does this work? Okay, for me, it's a show, it's a one-man show for myself. <laughs> right. I'm the audience and I'm also the actor. I, I, huh, love, okay. I love to see people's reaction. I, I've seen... A um, bunch of guys standing together, and when they see me, they're like, "Oh, in in London, you know, oh, poofter and all this." As soon mm. as I corner them alone, they freaked out. They don't know what to do, you know. Oh. And I think that that power, in a way, uh, power is when you give people uncertainty to to deal. They don't know how to deal with you, and that's very interesting to watch for me. Okay. And then you can speak whatever you want because. In a way, because of the way you look like and dress like, people don't take you as seriously. So I I do like to speak out my mind, especially in drag, because um, actually people totally get my point, but they don't don't feel as offended. Do you feel like they put their guard down? Yeah. So it's just like how Kumar can, can just go around like you know, like criticize people right in front yeah. of them and people are, are laughing at it, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, but some mm-hmm. of it is a lot of it. I wouldn't say some, in fact, most of it is real. It's real things or issues that, that yeah. she's talking about. You Would know? you say it's empowering when you're in drag? Um, yeah. I mean, people don't take you as seriously. So mm-hmm. I think drag queens don't take ourselves as seriously as well, <sighs> right. which is the great part of, of, of being in drag. Right. You know, you're, you're in a different persona or a different universe and and you you know does entertaining does it have anything to do with with um with being aroused like is it a turn on to dress up or is it like it's just a character that i've known people who've done that like i said there are many different sexualities that we know when i was in london i've been to mm-hmm. this place called torture garden the amount of is thing- that what I think it is? Yes, it's okay. what you think it is. So okay. the amount of things, the amount of, that I've learned, I'm like, oh my god, people actually enjoy doing this. And right. I've known a straight guy in London, uh, my my ex boyfriend's best friend. Yeah. Um, he's a big guy, totally hairy. Yeah. Um, he would he would he he loves dressing up. He's straight. He loves women. He would dress up. So one night di- one night we we're saying like, oh, um, Dave, we're going out, and it's like. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out and drag. He's like, oh my God, can I come along and drag as well? I'm like, yeah, sure. He would shaved himself. Like completely. It's a straight dude you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, straight dude. He spent okay. like two hours shaving himself entirely. Oh my goodness. So yeah. to get ready to get out, to go out and drag. Okay. So Sounds so, very painful, but yes, please. Okay. Yeah, but then there, there's more than that to, to drag. Like there's like cross dresses. There's, there's transgender. There's pre-op. There's post-op. Mm. I, I think human sexuality is a lot more complicated than that. Agree. It, it's hard to say, and even whatever I say about drag here, I'm sure there's going to be tons of drags out there. It's like, no, I don't think like that. You yeah. know, like yeah. because we're all different. Yes. You know. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's it's like anything, right? Like being drag is just like it's something that you do. You know, just because you're a Mac user does not mean that you must all think the same. Just yeah. like exactly. I have a podcast doesn't mean I agree with everybody that does a podcast, right? Exactly. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. Um, as as you were saying, like, and not all drags are gay. Mm-hmm. Right. It's mm-hmm. like they're men that. Okay. Before I move on to that, as a as a drag, like, are you supposed to like? Let's get straight to the point. Do you have to tie your nuts? 
I was gonna I was gonna put it in a way like Well depending uh, on how big your nuts completely are look, Do you have to completely look like a woman And do you have to tuck in all the male bits Well so? you know like Like I say There are many different types of drag queens as well Some of them don't even tuck Right okay. If you go to the American ones they The American ones are very uh, They focus a lot on glamour Okay You know So they would tuck uh, I've seen drag queens that don't tuck, you know, because for them is. <laughs> Can you explain tuck? How does this m- okay, so mechanism work? Tuck, there are different depending on how big you are, you know. Yeah. So you you just uh, you just shuffle it in between your legs. You open your legs. I I, I heard you. Oh, okay, this is from. <laughs> okay, I was gonna say from my own experience. I'm just kidding. Um, you you tie like the penis and you you loop it between your legs and you hook it on the back. No, that's what keeps it tucked. Who told you that? I don't, don't, don't remember But I remember I was in theatre And I was asking someone Like how do drag queens do it Like it looks like They don't have a bulge Then someone told me Oh they actually like Tie the penis To like a, a thing And it connects to the To the back of the As you can say Like where your coccyx is It like, loops around the bottom Is that not how it's done uh, oh, I've, been, I've been lied to all my life I, I don't know Maybe 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 that person Who told you did that okay. that, that way you how, know? Either they have A very extremely long <laughs> Instrument to do that Yes But normally you just tucked it under and then you wear like maybe a couple of layers of of leggings or or you know panties to to keep it up but it hurts no like your your nuts are crushed in between your thighs it can so you gotta tuck it nicely so it's, oh. a, it's a yeah and then once in a while you have to go to the toilet and retuck it you yeah. tuck it downwards yeah okay it, okay <laughs> you can't tuck it upwards <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how you do this thing that's oh okay okay right. okay and so yeah i guess that's that's part of well you can't tuck it up with if you've got a really tiny one yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's really interesting yeah i've always been curious about it you know and like and it's a lot of work it's a lot of work it's that's why to me it's the whole preparation um and getting into it it's it's an art form it's like the geishas you know how you put on your makeup to me to me it's almost religious and i think to a lot of drag queens as well the whole ritual of getting into it and getting out of it um, it's 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 very sacred in a way. Right. Right. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hey. Um. Be- before that, you were talking about you know being gay and and you were talking about your boyfriend and stuff. Um. Do you do you think do you think being gay in Singapore is now a very much more accepted thing with it being so, you know, it's so openly portrayed in media. Accepted. Um, I think it's never really accepted in Singapore. Mm. I've seen that people are being more daring, like holding hands, walking down Haji Lane, but they probably won't walk down Geylang or somewhere, you know, holding hands. Mm. I think it's it's really one of those. But but it's not just Singapore. If you were in the States, some parts of the States, you could even in London, you know, you could at some places like Old Compton's walk down there. You're fine. You mm. come out of Water Street, Old Compton's and you hold hands, you probably get, you know, like thrown slurs at and stuff like that. So does, does it scare you? Uh, not me. I I, yeah. <laughs> I was I was being shouted once when I was in London, and I almost um, um, hit that guy with my helmet. I was holding my my motorbike helmets, and then my boyfriend had to hold me back. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not the kind of guy to be shouted at. Um, mm. I would shout back at them to respect, you know, and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think in in Singapore these days, people are slightly more open to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, man. Is it easier to date these days? Um, probably mm, easy to find people for for sexual flavors, uh, like um, on on all these apps and stuff. Uh-huh. I think to find a relationship. I don't know. I, I've been I've been working fourteen years, yeah. nonstop. I don't even know 
where or have time to find relationships. Okay. Yeah. Now that have I have nothing to do, I'm gonna try and I'll let you know later. <laughs> have, you, have you have you dated women in the past, uh, or have you always been? Gay? I've dated women uh, when I was in London. I'm, I'm sure many women like you a lot. Um, I don't know. I, I it's very funny. Like straight women. Um, tend to like my body type <laughs> okay because I, I look a bit geeky sometimes and then I think they find that a staple uh-huh. and I'm quite butch you yes. know most of the time so yeah <laughs> okay um, yeah but but um, I don't know I'm probably not the the gay <laughs> uh-huh. the, what the gay men would be looking out for do you have a type uh, yeah <laughs> I uh, sometimes I ask things that I already know you the know answer my to. Type, right? yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's 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 super interesting. Uh, um. Okay. I I I once had a conversation with you, and mm-hmm. I I want to go back to this time because um. It was a real shock to me, right? Mm-hmm. And coming from someone who is a friend who I care about, it hit me really hard. And I still cannot forget this moment. It, it might, you might not even remember mm. it, but, but there was one time when there was a topic of adopting, mm. you know, having a child and adopting. Yeah. And I remember, um, I was, I was just asking, like we were in the, the theater scene at the time and a lot of the boys were gay back then. You know, I was chatting with them. I was talking about, you know, would you adopt and all this? And I remember we were about to cross a road and I ran up to you. You were waiting at the traffic light already. I ran up to you and I go, hey, Ollie, um, w- would you want to adopt a kid? And you said, mm, no. And I was like, oh, why? And you go, no, I'm, I'm not interested. Like, you know, I, I like animals. I've got pets and stuff, but uh, child, I don't think I'll adopt. And I said, oh, okay. And you go, yeah, because I'm going to die soon anyway. Mm. And I was like, wait, what? And you go, I'm I'm HIV positive. I I might die anytime. Hmm. And like I I don't know how to describe this feeling of like I know it's reality, but I I didn't want it to be real, but then I was also in front of you and I didn't know how to react and I was so taken aback and I was like I remember like you walked up ahead and like er- everything went on, you know, as per normal, but it was so heavy on me, bro, for like a whole week. I was just like fuck like oh my goodness is this thing real and like how does this happen i had so many questions and i like began reading up about it and i was like you know is is ollie gonna be fine you know all this kind of stuff and it really shocked me you know i think a lot of people as well who either experience it you know or or, or get to know people with it you know that it might come with an element of fear or concern you know worry like mm-hmm. can you like just share a little bit about this and i think like um, it's it's a stigma um, that people feel from being HIV positive. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was drunk raped, you know, in in Bangkok, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I I don't know. I just feel that people should be more forward with these things. I don't feel that it is a terminal illness. I mean, I don't know if this is good to say because oh, it's good advice for people because I'm I've. It's been 18 years for me, and I'm not on medication. Um, I'm still healthy, you know. But I think me being a hopeless optimist, mm. I when, when when I was not well, I went to the doctor, and then I said, let's check for HIV as well, because, you know, someone raped me. And then he said, okay. And then one usually you get your results after two weeks, but one week later, the doctors called me, and I went in, and I was positive. And when I was going down the lift towards the the clinic, I was thinking, okay, I must be positive. You know, that's why they're calling me. And then I'm like, 
naturally, I'm such a positive person, I have to be positive. Um, so I went there and then the doctors was a bit worried, he's new and he's like, um, um, do you need any counselling? I'm like, no, what do I need to do now? Do I need to go on medication now or what? Tell me. And then they sent me to CDC and I met this doctor, Dr. Ashuk and... Um, and um, Sorry, what's CDC? Doctor, uh, CDC is Center for uh, what, something disease. Uh, okay, uh, yeah. but it's to do with, okay, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. So one of those, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So... Anyway, Dr. Ashuk, that time was like many years ago, 2003, and it's like, oh, um, you know, <clears throat> it's not clinically the proven that if you go on medication now, it's going to cure you or anything. So mm-hmm. if you're still healthy, which you still are now, then, you know, you probably don't need to go on medication. But as soon as you need it, they, they're very different school then. As soon as you need it, then, then you do it. But nowadays, like as soon as you get it, they will put you on, you know, medication and stuff like what, that. What does medication look like? Just oral, oral um, medication? Then there were there were cocktails of many, yeah, oral. And then now, okay. uh, it's less. It's like probably one or two pills or like that. And and I heard there's like injections and stuff that's coming out in the market soon. But mm. anyway, um, yeah. So so, but then but then I I I was actually very happy that it happened to me because mm. one I know I'm someone who can handle this yeah two i i just felt that before that i was a i was very arrogant i was very obnoxious come on i got a full scholarship to london i got into the west end you know Mm. i got into like shows like everything was just moving for me so smoothly for like three four years you know without me even lifting a finger Mm -hmm. and i was getting a bit arrogant and when this hit me um. Uh, yeah, I, when this hit me, I just thought to myself, I'm like, the fuck, what am I going to do? Yeah. Like, I might die very soon. Am I going to waste my life doing what I do now? Am I going to treat people like that now? Huh. So that changed my life. Like, the all, if you met me, like, before I got HIV, uh, yeah. I probably won't be such a nice person so that changed my life that made me really want to help people and then it helps me realize what sort of experiences i had in london which is why like now back in singapore i try to help the less fortunate people a lot of them were foreigners because Mm -hmm. when i was a foreigner i had other foreign friends helping me from taiwan from um from korea you know Mm -hmm. helping me Mm -hmm. through when i was there so I'm trying to do the same here now and, yeah. and just helping people get through this. Wow. And and yeah, and I, I, I just believe that the power of the mind could take us somewhere. You know, this might yeah. not go on forever. Um, I've really outlived my life. Honestly, every day I wake up, I, I give thanks to whatever it is, God or universe or whatever it is. And, and yeah. to me, that's the greatest gift and miracles. Anything else is a bonus. I, I Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Um, you know, I think um, two things. I think very much the last thing that comes before a fall is arrogance. Um, yep. Same thing happened in my life as well. Mm. Arrogance it, it it goes up to a certain point and and a fall happens. You mm. know, and I think sometimes I I thank God for this fall. You know, mm. um, I feel that before the fall, perhaps we were living a facade. You know, we were putting our identity in our identities in the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. We were putting it in our accomplishments. Mm. Now, after the fall, I might even argue that I feel more alive. Yep. 
reason being, I have stripped away all this facade and this arrogance and looking at all my accomplishments and defining myself by these things. But mm. now that all this is gone, it's fallen. It's like you rebuild. And I feel that not everyone has the opportunity to have this fall. Mm. But when this fall does come, like I enjoy these this rebuilding process so much. And I would say I'm so much more proud of the me after the fall, mm-hmm. you know? And I think one more thing that's very cool, which I think it's, it's a very great thing about having a fall is that you are now equipped with the ability to empathize and be there for other people who go through the same thing. Right. That's to me, one of the most rewarding things because mm-hmm. if I was never hit by, by a certain um, obstacle, right, I couldn't identify with people going through obstacles, you know, like just now, or like when you first came out, I was talking about depression, you know, mm-hmm. like very often, like back in the day when someone has depression, I'm like, well, then what are you going to do about it? You know, Take yeah. step one, step two, step three, what do you need to do? Make something about it. What? You're helpless. There's nothing you can do. Shut up, man. Like write down your steps, pick your goals, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, at times when, when it happens to you, that's when you can really empathize, you know. But, yeah. but yeah, man, I think these these things are, are great. You know, I think um, having a fall and learning to rebuild is something very, very admirable and something that I respect a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, another super quick jump sidetrack. You you were saying that you, you teach yoga. Mm-hmm. And just because we were a bit crunched on time, I wanted to, wanted to ask you, like, do you know about gyrotonics and gyrokinesis? No. Ah, you don't know about... Ah, okay, okay. I thought you were the best person to ask about this recently. So... Now I've been back into competitive karate. So I do this event called kata. I t- mm-hmm. talk about it a lot. Sorry, guys, who listen. Um, so it's like uh, when I do kata, I kata is a performance. So it's not I don't fight someone, but I do a bow, and then I do a whole routine of karate. Mm-hmm. And my little secret that not many people know is that I actually use a lot of contemporary elements and dance elements mm-hmm. when it comes to lines, you know, mm-hmm. how I make a certain yep. punch, how does my shoulder, how do I engage the right parts. And my students don't know this, but when I'm teaching karate, a lot of it is isolated exercises from yep. dance yep. but it, it moves it, it, it sorry I don't know what I it helps and it teaches your body movement vocabulary you know um, so one of the one of the the instructors from the US um, he actually shared with me about gyrotonics and gyrokinesis so basically it's like a bit like Pilates so um, Pilates has the has the reformer machine mm-hmm. but gyrotonics has all these like it looks like a medieval torture thing, um, but it's like that club that you talked about, torture something, mm, torture garden. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it looks like you're walking into a torture garden, but it's like um, it's a different apparatuses that you use to like um, they they call it giving your body. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like you're like making mochi, yeah, 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 but it's not. It's like yeah. a you know, and and they say it's like Pilates for dancers, and they said mm. if Pilates was two D, gyrotonics is like the three D version yeah. of it. Yeah. You know, um, the concept sounds amazing, bro. I went to one class, so freaking expensive, man. I was like. I'm sorry, but never again. No, but that's the thing I don't understand. It's like I like I'm I'm a I'm a hopeless businessman, right? And mm-hmm. like I don't know how to charge for yoga and everything. And my my neighbors actually have to come up to me and 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 scream and shout at me and say, "You charge this amount." I'm like, okay. okay. So I used to charge fifteen dollars for one and a half hour class, yeah, because I believe that this this whatever art form or whatever it is should be taught and should be should be learned by many not mm-hmm. and not many can afford it mm-hmm. but um yeah like talking about this like i i was i was looking at it because i've been doing a lot of yoga i realize i'm very flexible mm-hmm. but i like uh mobility of movements so when i move like, like your movement it, vocabulary yeah well, like okay. when i dance when i try to dance um i'll be like oh no uh 
you know, I, I feel something's pulling somewhere. Okay. Because when you do yoga, it's very specific in how you move your, your angles. Right. It's either towards the front or towards the side or something. Yes. But you don't do transition from the front to the side. I see. Which okay. is what dance do, which is what one of the what, what you're talking about. They do that. So yeah. it's very basic movement, rotations and stuff. So now I try to incorporate it in my yoga classes where I do, you know, instead of just that I'll be doing a lot of this, you know, a lot of right. this, you know, to, to move the the, the the fluids in mm -hmm. the joints and think that's very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Hey, um, we're over an hour, man. Uh, it, was, it was super fun chatting, man. Uh, there are so many more things we can explore as well. Um, but speaking about movement and <laughs> going back to your, your gear stick movement and all that, yeah. I hope your car gets fixed, man. Well, um, <laughs> I don't know. Let, let's see. It's going to cost a bomb, though. But I'm selling it. So anyone out there looking for a diacocopin? Yeah. It's, it's, it's a cute little car. It's yeah. a, it's a it two-seater car. It's, it's very nice. I like yeah. it. Um, hey, Ollie. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Thank you, Eden. Let's try to do another one sometime, right? Yeah, we should do. Right, thank <laughs> Thanks you. for listening, guys. Catch you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.